As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That is Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. And welcome back to another edition of Bridge Radio. And we're coming at you from the great state of Texas. 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 That is the A.W. Varilla. As always, I am your host, Julio Mar Rodriguez, and we got the boss in front of me, El Jefe. What's up, people? That's uh, Steve Den Hartog. And uh, today, today's program is going to be another testimonial. Another testimonial. Um, our, our guest today is uh, Mr. Uh, Joel Alcasar. How's it going, brother? Uh, I'm doing all right. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, a little bit about Joe. Joe is a... Uh, uh, a, a Bridgian or a Bridgeite, I don't know how you want to say, he's hes a police officer, comes in here often, loves to talk theology, and he has a, an amazing testimony, and, and I don't even personally, I don't even know all of it, to be honest, I, I know like bits and pieces, so this is going to be the first time I actually hear it, so I'm, I'm, I'm really, really exciting, uh, ex- not excited, excited, <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, welcome uh, on the show, uh, yeah, he uh, he always comes in here, and we're always, we're always talking, right? theology and it's always interesting and then all the other uh, conversations that spark up because uh we were, we're talking these things so it's really exciting to have you on it is it is i've known joe almost since we opened the doors it's been several years probably seven eight years i guess now uh-huh. that uh, i've known joe and just to see his journey where he's come uh in these last few years has really been amazing so i'm really excited to hear the full story yeah and also for you to teach some heresy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, guys, um, if, th- if you're new to the program, we have many, many episodes for you. We uh, Bridge Radio is a podcast, so we're a means to bring awareness to classical and uh, contemporary Christian books, biblical resources. We want people to be aware of them. Uh, good, solid teaching, uh, especially out into Mexico and here in South Texas. And uh, and this is what this podcast is all about. We're like a group of theology nerds. So we have other podcasts. Uh, we we uh, d- uh, you know, every, everybody from D.A. Carson to Jeff Durbin, James White, John Frame. Uh, we actually have in the next episode a really nice surprise for you guys. So, um, and er- everything ranging from soteriology, eschatology as being able like, to debate often. Yeah, he looks at me when he says that. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, anyway, I'm just going to leave it there because then we'll go on a tangent. Because uh, you know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Infant baptism. Anyway, all right. So, um, yeah, just thank you. Uh, please like, subscribe, share with your uh, mom, dad, cats, and dogs, and, and all that. So, um, anyway, so Joe, let's. Uh, where, where shall you begin? Right now, you were just telling me. Uh, actually, today you just started school, right? Yes. And so you, uh, uh, you, you weren't always uh, a Christian, um, and so you're you're here. So, so just tell us a little bit about where you are right now before we hop back to the past. Uh, <clears throat> well, right now I'm currently enrolled at uh, Spurgeon College. That's part of uh, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, since I was saved, uh, I've had this hunger, this thirst for God's Word to know more and more truth, learn, continue to grow, and and share the gospel and and any uh, theology doctrine that I learned in school with whoever wants to uh, know or converse or debate about these things. Uh, you need to tell our audience what you actually do for a living yeah. while you are enrolled in uh, seminary right now, right? Uh, yes, while I'm enrolled right now at, at college, I actually am a full-time uh, uh, police investigator here in uh, South Texas in the border, border town with uh, Mexico. And that's what I've been doing for 13 years. Prior to that, I was in the Army, so that's kind of already part of uh, who I am. It's public service. Mm-hmm. Patriot. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, you were in the Marines, too, right? Uh, or Army. Army, Army yes. okay. And how was that like? Well, it was five long years. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you? Uh, I was stationed in Fort Hood. Uh, I deployed twice to Kuwait and one tour in Iraq. So Ooh. so when we're talking uh, theology with him, he's always in his uniform and his gun, so we, yeah. try, to, we try to stay it. Right? Yeah, we we want to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we, we try not to contradict him when he's in uniform. <laughs> uh, I come here uh, a lot because obviously the coffee. 
Yeah. Coffee's really good. So there's something about when you get older and older, you just keep drinking more and more coffee. And yeah. bridge coffee is actually pretty good. He's a total cop. He comes in for coffee and like a donut. <laughs> and then talks theology and then bounces back out. I just want to go back to one thing you said uh, with regards to learning, going back to school, how your desire... Uh, changed along those ways, how you really have this hunger to know the Lord more. And we hear that over and over and over again. And I think probably all of us can experience, can uh, relate to that experience as well. Yeah. You know, growing up, I did not read, you know, through <laughs> high school, even college. You know, I, I can count on one hand the books that I read probably. But uh, since since getting serious about my Christian faith, man, I love to read. And yeah. it's just exciting to see that in you. Well, uh, I have a very similar similar uh, situation. Uh, before being being saved, coming to the Lord, I, I actually didn't read. The only magazines I had were hot rodding magazines, Chevy High Performance. And I wouldn't even read these. I would just glance through them, looking for projects or or trying to figure out problems I had going on during my hot rodding projects. But mm-hmm. uh, since I, I I was I was saved, you know, it's this constant desire night and day of just reading something, growing, continue to learn more, mm-hmm. hoping to uh, that the Lord continues to draw me closer and closer to Him, conforming yeah. to the image of Christ. Yeah. So, what is your favorite Christian book that you've picked up at Bridge? Because I, I do want to remind our audience that we are a Christian bookstore. Uh, I know that there's not a lot around. Uh, you know, we were watching... Um, uh, the dividing line the other day, and we were or listening yeah. to him. We we're like, I mean, Br- there's not a lot. Oh yeah, I didn't every, hear Doctor White. Yeah, yeah, and we're like Bridge, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so why don't you share the audience? I mean, I don't want to get off topic, but just because we're talking about books. Well, um, I, I don't have a favorite book right now, uh, but I do come <laughs> often to to Bridge to buy books. Uh, so I've bought since I've been uh, coming into the ministry to to buy books and coffee. It just pick up books and i just asked steve hey what any topic that i may might be struggling at the time i asked him steve i'm struggling with this instead of answering the question which is the easiest route <laughs> he actually goes back to to the shelves and picks out a book here read this and <laughs> that's usually how it works i just picks out books give them to me and i read these books that's pretty cool yeah and you've been you've been picking out uh, big books mostly for a study recently right because you've been in in uh, school so your reading hasn't necessarily been for pleasure so much, but more for for your studies. Yes, not that that's not pleasurable, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it could be a it could be a little worrisome there uh, reading so much books because everything I have to read, I have to be able to put it on paper, mm-hmm. write, and turn in paper. Right. So it, it gets a little a little stressing sometimes. Mm. All right, all right. So you talked a little bit about. Uh hot rod magazines and and you know the i don't know who you are the, i know who you are today i don't know uh, old joe so it's um we always know it through the new birth yeah, there's just a lot that changes new heart new mind um god you know transfers you know your heart of stone no heart of flesh so how did joe with a uh, with a heart of stone look like let's let's start back from let's start there well let me give you a little background uh i come from a divorced family i was actually born in harlingen texas uh, around the age of four, I've moved up to Laredo. Been here in Laredo since then, with the exception of my military time. Uh, but I didn't grow up with my mother either. I was actually raised by my grandparents. My grandparents have a background of uh, Roman Catholicism. So that is very common here in Laredo. 70% of the uh, the community is Roman Catholic, whether they're practicing or not. It's, it, right. it is 70%. So obviously, as a, as a child, in my preteens, I... I had to go to catechism classes. I, obviously, I was baptized in the in the Catholic in the Catholic uh, faith and church, and I I went pretty consistently because my grandparents would send me on Saturdays and then Sunday mass. And uh, however, they wouldn't go to church themselves, but they would send me and around somewhere where I started going to high school. Uh, around ninth, I think it was probably when I jumped to high school. That's when I kind of started getting a little distant from from going to uh, going to church and started hanging out with my friends, which I already knew from a long time. And they basically they have the same background, very similar background. Our pa- uh, parents, grandparents, Roman Catholic. That's what they do. It's part of the, what we do in this community. And and I just distanced myself as I continue to grow. Uh, 
in my teenage years. You know, I just kind of started trying out all those things that nobody uh, tells you not to try, right? Uh-huh. Get into mischief and things. I wouldn't get, obviously, into a lot of trouble or never had any problems with the law. But, yes, I had my moments of rebellions and disobedience to my grandparents and and uh, hanging out with my friends. Uh, I joined the Army at 17. Actually, my mom had to sign me off because I was too young. Uh, did, like I said before, uh, I was in the Army for five years. I did two tours in Kuwait, one in Iraq. Most of the time, if I was not uh, overseas, I was in Fort Hood. Uh, obviously, there I continue to to do what everybody else was doing, you know, just the status quo, you know, uh, the cars, the girls buying things, you know, the clothing, all these things, you know, continue to to develop in in my persona, you know, as as these are the important things. This is the status quo. These are the things that matter. And uh, growing up without a dad, obviously, as a young man, you know, uh, with grandparents in the low income. Uh, barrio in the neighborhood I mean these are the things that these flashy things are the things that one's desire you know they desire and and that that desire for these things were the ones that actually drove me uh, to work hard you know work hard and, and make more money and get a better job and so I can get the bigger house I can get the nicer cars and and so forth and so forth, you know, get the the best looking girl, you know, I mean, that that was the status quo. All these things are the ones that I was after. I left the army, I came back. Uh, the first weekend I was back uh, from leaving, from uh, separating from the military, that's when I met my wife. I met my wife and uh, eventually about two years later, we, we married. Uh, my wife also comes from a Roman Catholic background. Uh, we married there at the Roman Catholic Church. And, you know, at the time I wasn't really thinking about it, but to me it was just another uh, box to check off. You know, I already, have the, I already have a military career. I already have a good job. You know, now let me check off this box. I want a wife, a good wife. Let me get some kids, check off that box. It was more like... Me and my desires of meeting the status quo in this world that I was just checking boxes off. And as time continued of being married, you know, I just kind of kept on sinking more into that superficial, materialistic uh, mentality to where I already had my wife and kids, but that wasn't not enough. I ended up opening a business. And what this business did was just create more greed, more greed in me. I wasn't satisfied at the time with just my police officer job, which was a good salary, good benefits. I wanted more, you know. During this time, I had I had the had a uh, not a few muscle cars, new and old, and and this this is where most of my time and money went because these are the things that I desire for, you know. I I would. I would uh, not pay attention to my wife and my kids. It's where most of the time would go into cars and hanging out with my friends at work. You know, after hours, um, I would go out by myself a lot, go hang out with friends at work. And and um, uh, so I continue, you know, I just continue to to uh, to have more desires. Like the desire, I was captivated by owning stuff, having stuff, you know, raising my fist and telling people, I made it, look at me, I did all this on my own, you know, I got all this on my own, but somehow I was never satisfied, I would meet a goal and I was not satisfied, I would get the car that I wanted and I wasn't satisfied, I would have the house that I wanted, well, I was no longer satisfied, and mm-hmm. and um, here it's very common, I'm pretty sure other other places too, there, where people change cars every two years. Well, I would change them every, every year. You know, two years was too much. You know, once a year, change a car, get something new, you know. And that's the kind of lifestyle I was living, you know, very superficial, very materialistic. And it Sounds like Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you know, uh, just working and working, you know, just the toil of life. And somehow I was not satisfying my marriage no more. And ended up uh, separating from my wife uh, around uh, December of 2014. How long were we all married? If you don't mind me By this, but around this time, we were already uh, eight years, eight, okay. about eight and a half years, all right. more or less. So, just to go back, just because uh, 
just in case our listeners are just wondering, um, was it just did it, uh, this satisfaction in your marriage where you just you didn't want to do this? Was there infidelity? Uh, just so that people understand where you were, um, so we can get really specific, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm not so that our listeners might relate to you, and then because there's there's good news at the end of this tunnel. Yes, I mean, it, it came about, it's just like everything else that I owned. Everything else that I owned was just property and satisfied. And somehow uh, I became unsatisfied with uh, with my life at the time. And it's not that my wife or my kids were doing something to uh, dissatisfy me. It was just me that I met this goal. And uh, around some, uh, before I left, yes, I, I, I ran into a, uh, a former, a former girlfriend, and I do, I did fall, fall into into infidelity, but uh, that wasn't the leading cause on why I abandoned my home. It was just I I had already met goals. I had already checked boxes off. I wanted to continue to check boxes off, and and the actual business was the one that was driving me. And I saw my family as a as a stumbling block for me, as a wall. I just couldn't I couldn't couldn't get through a hurdle. I needed to jump because. My business was growing and was demanding much more of me, and my wife at the time would not uh, support my ideas, but however, she, she would allow me to do the things uh, just to kind of keep me happy. But eventually, I, I spoke to her, and, and, and I told her, I, this, I'm done with this, and I walked out of my family. I abandoned my family around December mm. of 2014, right before the holidays, and um, ended up actually for about... 18 months I actually uh, I ended up living in my office you wow. know like for real that's where I was at you know this real small uh, mobile office that I had uh, you know I guess you know that's what I love so much so that's where I ended up God just threw you in there wow. yeah just threw me inside a box I mean literally man it was degrading I went from living over here to living over here but that's how bad it was you know i couldn't see i was just so and yeah I was, gonna, I was gonna ask did you realize that like once you were sitting in your office and you were sleeping there you were like wow what did i do or you were still you were still on that in that mindset of i'm gonna continue this yes uh, i mean i'm there and i'm like what am i doing here <laughs> this is not meant for somebody to be living but well, of course with uh separation and divorce it comes uh it comes a uh, child support so uh my business at the time uh, was doing very well, but a lot of my customers were unfortunately not paying their accounts, and I was just living off my my police officer paycheck, and and half of that was going to child support. You know, so it it, it was tough. It was tough to live there because here I am trying to meet the status quo. However, I ended up on the other end of the status quo like the no we're no the, the no man zone you know <laughs> you're like but that's where i ended up you know that's how blinded i was by money it, it was money that 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 drove me it wasn't women it, it wasn't cars it wasn't things it was just money and, and the pursuit of power you know uh it was just these things that 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 drove me so how was the lord working on you throughout this time was it uh did you have just like this this uh experience where you just you know you saw the light and boom everything changed or had the lord been working on you periodically through through these years and months prior to becoming a christian uh after leaving the house i was um now i know it was the lord working because everything was failing Hmm. everything was just coming apart you know i continue to dig myself uh in a deeper and deeper and deeper pit Hmm. and uh you know, everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. No matter what, everything went wrong from from relationships with with my friends at work or outside of work with with uh, money. Never yeah. having money. I mean, it got to the point I didn't even have money to feed myself. And somehow the Lord was grace. Uh, he, he, you know, he was graceful because when those times came around some somehow i just got a call from 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 a family member a friend to invite me over to come and eat wow. yeah. as if they knew that i had no money to not eat hmm. and wow. that, that's how bad it was and everything continued to fail um no matter what i did it sounds it, it reminds me a lot of um just the way how the lord will use that those like 
you, you said your 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 desire was money and, and power and and he'll just hand you over to that. It sounds a lot like uh, uh, even Jeff Durbin's testimony with the drugs and the fame and all the money, and then God just hands him over and want he was about to die. <laughs> and, I mean, and, that's that's. I mean, yeah, and then he lost everything too, and it, just like you, it seemed like from one day to the next, everything was just gone. And you know, for the listeners, I've, I've, I've had the same experience. It's like you're you're chasing, you're chasing and chasing until there's no satisfaction in what you're doing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and you were mentioning Ecclesiastes too. I mean, the uh, Solomon, who, who we think most likely wrote uh, Ecclesiastes, was saying, "I was just trying this, 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 and this, and this, drinking women." Uh, real estate, uh, whatever, and nothing satisfied him. So I'm assuming that that's the experience that you were having during this time and God beginning to draw himself to you with these events. So how did uh, how did the Lord continue to work in your life then through through winnowing these things away from you, making you realize that these things are not going to ultimately satisfy? Again, I go back to St. Augustine. You know, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee. And we can, we, I think, each of us can can say that, claim that testimony. You know, we try to find our satisfaction in all of these things horizontally, and uh, they end up not satisfying. So the Lord continued to work on you in that way. What was He doing as far as as drawing you to Him? Was there any other? Was there any Christian influence in your life at that time? Uh, did you have a um. desire to? To uh, to go to any Bible studies or how did that work? Well, at the time, uh, I didn't know people were already praying for me. Uh, I know I know some some brothers uh, that were praying for me. I was not aware of this, but of course, uh, the Lord continued to draw me to Himself by uh, my projects failing. Things mm-hmm. just failed. There was unrest. I mean, there was an there. I mean, I couldn't sleep at night. I mean, it was just things, you know, trying to, like, how could everything go wrong and just continue to go wrong? And that, and <clears throat> at the time, I had this customer uh, who somehow asked me, is everything okay? Uh, I was there. He was going to go ahead and pay an invoice. And he said, like, what do you mean? Well, you look, you look a little off. And somehow, I just felt like opening up to him. Hmm. And, I, and I told him, what had been going on for the past two years and and I told him you know something I don't know anything about God I've heard about him but I've never actually sat down to read the Bible and I told him I know you're a Christian do you think there's anyone in your church that might want to sit down and talk to me about God and take me through a Bible study I would like to learn mm-hmm. about him so he was actually taken back when he heard that you know like whoa you know like oh well, I'll check I'll check, and two weeks later, he called me, and he told me that if I was still interested, I told him, yes. Two weeks later, things were just worse than they were two weeks before. <laughs> so I told him, yes, of course. You know, uh, at the time, I was just doing it because I was just trying to find a solution to my problems, you know, like maybe God, you know, maybe God is going to solve my problems here, my financial problems, my, my marital problems, which now I was at the time, now I was legally divorced. And he told me, well, I'll do it. And, and, and he said, oh, you're going to do it? And he said, yes, I'm going to do it. And, well, we're going to do the book of Romans. <laughs> and I think he actually came here to the bridge to buy a Bible, well, a paper bag. And uh, that's he gave me that. And that was Zeke, right? Yeah, that was Zeke. Mr. Z. Yeah, that, was, that was him. <clears throat> and uh, we started going through the book of Romans. He never, ever invited me to church. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't bring me here to the bridge. Uh, actually, I met God at you know, at Starbucks, that's where we would go. You know, that's where we would go. Uh, you met God at Pagan Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that he makes Pagan Coffee, but we were there. <laughs> uh, no, we we were there, and uh, that's where we started going to the Book of Romans. And uh, yeah, I know, I know you gentlemen know uh, uh, Zeke. Zeke is like this very quiet, soft tone man. You know, and while we were going through the Book of Romans, we we're you know, the first three chapters was just like I was I was being slapped in the face. You know, <laughs> like everything yeah. I don't want to hear, I was hearing it. And this is the and then if you know Zeke, you're looking at this at this at this meek man, soft tone reading and explaining, which was basically was doing an expository Bible study. 
explaining verse by verse. And here I am sitting there thinking to myself, I can't believe this guy just said this to me. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and I actually wanted to walk out, but, you know, out of respect that we had business together, that kept me there. Right. Kept me on that seat. What, what made you so, like, yeah. I, well, I guess upset about what, we, what he was reading in, in Romans? Uh, well, like, very uh, simple you know the first three chapters of Roman are very very tough. Nobody stands after after <laughs> reading the first three chapters of Roman. There's nobody gonna stand up. Everybody's yeah. convicted. Yeah. So when I the introduction, uh, uh, Julio just read the introduction, and no one's righteous, no not one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, did it make you angry or upset? Like if you kind of talk a little bit about that, because what were you? What, what, were, what exactly were you feeling when he was reading those things? I could just feel my my blood boil. You know, I was, really? I, was I was upset, but I, you know, being in my and the type of job that I have and being professional, being used to people uh, saying things that I want I don't want to hear. You know, we have to keep professional and, main, and maintain a good demeanor. You know, not threaten anybody. So I would maintain my composure. But in the inside, <laughs> I, I was ready to walk out. I can't believe this guy is saying these things to me. So so were you getting more upset at him or what the word of God was being spoken or both? No, no. Like I said, Zeke, meek man, humble, you know, <laughs> soft-spoken. Yeah. But the things, just reading and explaining what they meant. It was like I was just being slapped right there, and I was taking. I it. came for an encouragement, like <laughs> I actually, yeah, I was, I was looking for some kind of emotional support yeah. system here. So it sounds like it was the work of the Holy Spirit convicting you and and, and doing the work in your heart, as yeah. opposed to to necessarily being angry with 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 Zeke, because uh, you know to hear those words. Uh, you know, I think most people just kind of ignore them. Yeah, you know, which, unless it's the Holy Spirit that's doing the convicting. Which, which leads me to my next question, which is why? Why on earth did you come back? The, uh, oh, man, that, <laughs> I that, mean, you had to go. You had to sit there through one, two, and three. <laughs> well, that, that's the amazing thing because yeah. every time you see this is a thing, Zeke, um, he had to rearrange his entire schedule to see me because I work shift work. Mm. So he, sometimes it was Tuesdays, sometimes it was Thursdays, even Fridays. We had he had to continually swap days to meet with me. But every time the Bible study came up, problems came up, problems came up to try to distract me. And as I and, and when I would drive toward uh, to Starbucks, I would actually be very upset. Wow. I was in a very very upsetting mood until I got there and he started reading the Word of God. Then. I will go. I'll, I'll become at ease and just listen to what he was saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I know my chaplain at the time from uh, the the department told me, Joe, the enemy's gonna gonna try to distract you from going. So just make sure you go. Yeah, I think that's something. There's a lot to be said there, just with with Zeke, and I know Steve has done it, Abe has done it, but it's just being faithful in preaching the word, meeting people where they're at. Um, uh, especially rearranging schedules and just being faithful to that and praying to them because the, the results is the life-changing experience that Joe, Joe you know. And um, if any, if you guys, uh, for our listeners, uh, you know that we've had uh, uh, the lion on before. The Leon. <laughs> the Leon. That's his dad, actually. Yeah, that is his dad. That's his dad. So uh, we... we just so for for our listeners who know who who Zeke is, that's his papa. That's his papa. Just a really <laughs> solid guy. He is. He's a great guy. Um, all right. So you're mad, calm, cool. <laughs> don't know what to think. Romans one through three. What what was like the linchpin of just you you well, got it. The funny thing here is that actually uh, asked Zeke, uh, "Hey, do you know somebody else that can do a Bible study with me?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" It's like as if Romans wasn't enough. I was actually asking for more. Hmm. And that's when he invited his pastor at the time, Jeremy. And Jeremy started to meet again, doing the same thing as Zeke, rearranging his schedule to meet with me on a separate day to uh, to do uh, the, the gospel according to John. The, you know. So that was different. I was, so I was somehow three weeks later from when I started Romans, I was already doing two Bible studies on two separate days and I would still feel the same of you know being upset going upset there but once I got there I believe it was the Lord that would put me at ease and just they would feed me all this truth mm. okay so when when was the point the 
point of contact of true saving faith with the, true saving faith. The that the true saving faith came around on uh, February 11 of uh, 2016. I was uh, at this time I was no longer living in my apartment. I was already a few months into having this very very small uh, office. I mean, living in my office, I, I had this little small apartment that used to be a garage. Uh, renting it out from an uh, uh, elderly couple that had made that into uh, just for revenue purposes. And I'm there, living there by myself, and uh, nothing's going nothing's going right. I can't get along with my ex-wife. I can't get along with my best friend. I just can't get along with anybody. Um, and that night, February 11, uh, just just hit me. You know, I was just there by myself. I just trying to figure out what had gone wrong in my life. How how did I end up from be having all the things I wanted, you know? And I was in this uh, former garage living there, mm-hmm. and I was doing Bible reading at the time. I re- I don't remember exactly what I read that night, and I just I, I just started weeping. You know, because I just couldn't believe how bad my life was going, and and I, I just I just said, "I'm sorry, Lord." Hmm. You know, I'm sorry, and I, I just continued to weep through through the night, and I just fell asleep. Hmm. You know, I just fell asleep, and somehow the next day I just felt felt different. You know, wow. You know, I, I no longer felt sad. The the sadness was <laughs> from the night prior was no longer there. Hmm. There was just a lot of peace, a lot of peace uh, and determination when I woke up and. And uh, things just started happening there. Things just started. The Lord just started taking things away from my lifestyle, little by little. You know, I know I noticed within the first week that my profanity was gone. That happened overnight. I noticed that when the first week was the last time I said this word, and like, oh wow, like it's been a <laughs> week since I. And alcohol, no more drinking. Huh. You know, uh, no more taking any of my uh, uh, prescription pills that I had at the time that I was uh, some, uh, sometimes I would abuse just to kind of go to sleep and I mean a lot of things just uh, the Lord did away with them overnight and since then I haven't gone back to them yeah I remember talking with an acquaintance we both we both know and uh he said that uh, before you were a Christian, he would not even let you around his kids because of your language. Your that language is so bad, and it just it, it just switched like that, switched off like that. And that's the I mean, anybody who's experienced just the new birth of becoming a Christian, we we know what that feels like. It's a strange feeling. It is literally like even our our interview with Nadelka. Remember, she even said it was like from one day to the next. Yeah, God had just removed. Her depression, her anxiety, yeah. she felt hunger again. Yeah. It was like the burden was lifted, and it seems like once you came to saving faith, to understand the gospel, it was, it was a shift. That and I want to preface too. That doesn't always happen, um, but God's gracious in, in, in some people's lives where that actually does happen. So yeah, sometimes it happens instantly, and sometimes, sometimes it, it, it takes time. Yeah, you know. But uh, praise God! So, so you continued to to grow in your faith, have have a desire to continue to learn more, and uh, tell us, you know, what happened then? How how were you reconciled to your wife? And you know, give us that history. Uh, after being saved, uh, I I I was very convicted that I was being a jerk with my ex wife. I was mistre- I was still mistreating her and talking bad to her even though she kept her cool and just took whatever I had to say but mm-hmm. now as a saved man I will actually speak to her uh, with respect and and, um, and just uh, don't mistreat her anymore as I used to I actually uh, I, knew, I knew I was wrong but I, I wasn't convicted to after I was saved so okay. when I had to go pick up the kids I would go pick up the kids and, and actually she herself was actually somehow taken back because there was no longer any profanity, mistreatment, or hmm. resentment towards her, and uh, she was freaking out. Uh, not or just not, like what's going on. <laughs> no, not really. You know, she was just she was just okay. You know, she was uh, you know just quiet. You know, just listening to what I had to say. And about a few weeks later, uh, she actually invited me into the house while, when I went to the house while I was picking up the kids and. And, and we were sitting there. We were sitting there at, at the kitchen table. I was waiting for the kids to get ready. And and, and she kind of just kind of kind of confronted me. What's? 
she knew something was off, something was different. Like so, she's like, "Well, what's all this? What, what do you want with me? Why are you treating me like this now?" And and, and I told her, "I think I think we, we we need to get back together and so forth and so forth." And so many and so little words, uh, a lot was spoken there. And she was actually uh, that's what she wanted. Eventually, Jeremy married us within the next thirty days or so, and I and I was able to move back into the house with her and. You know, just reconcile, reconcile her. What I didn't know at the time was since the day I left my house to the time I went back, my wife was faithfully praying every single day. Wow. Every single day, she was reasoning with God using His own word. You know, uh, writing down journal and all these good things that were happening. What, was your wife saved during this time you guys mar- married, or what? You said that she was praying. Was she going to church, or was she? Well, she, I know she was uh, still uh, uh, going to, to, to the Roman Catholic Church. Okay. However, uh, ever since I met her, she has always, she, uh, she's always read her Bible. You know, her Bible's all torn up. You know, she's always read it. And during this time of separation and, and divorce, she would just reason with the Lord using his, own ver- his very own words. As a matter of fact, she was actually uh, praying for a condemnation on me <laughs> if I don't come back home. So, <laughs> But, you know, again, using God's word, you know, uh, reasoning with him, using his word, his promises. Uh, so that, you know, that was going on. That was going on behind closed doors. I didn't, I didn't know this until... Uh, several weeks later, after I moved, I, I remarried her, uh, we had a uh, brother Zeke, you know, giving up his time, uh, his money. He was actually paying for the coffee and the meals we would have, and his talents. I mean, I get, I, I don't know if he knew that he was a good teacher, but he's actually one on one. He's a real good teacher, yes. and and uh, he was a real good teacher. And these are the people the Lord was using, you know. Uh, so you continued to be discipled by uh, Zeke and Jeremy and continued to grow. You got back together with your wife, uh, repented, and uh, started being the the husband and the father that God had called you to be. And then you guys started going to church together. How did that all look like? What what did you, what were the changes in your life uh, after you got back into the house and and, uh, were reconciled and remarried? Uh, we started going to church. Obviously, she abandoned the, the Roman Catholic. Uh, she abandoned it, and she started going to church with me. And uh, she started reading the scriptures more. And, uh, you know, we were introduced from the time I was I was already doing Bible studies with Zeke before being saved. I was already uh, somehow introduced to, like, John MacArthur and R.C. Sproul and, and John Piper and Tim Keller and all these other, other uh, leading uh, reformers within uh, our country right now and she started listening to them I started listening to them and and we just continue growing and and to this day we, we continue to grow we continue to pray and, and individually we have uh, our own studies our own devotionals uh, our own prayer groups our own uh, Bible study groups and every day we meet theology and doctrine is probably about most of our conversations is that throughout the day. I mean, of course, the errands and things, but we we like to discuss things. We don't see eye to eye on everything. So, but we the, the, those are most of our conversations. And you're raising your kids in the Lord, right? You're teaching them. You're doing uh, devotions with them, doing studies with them. Yes, uh, we got this book right here uh, at Bridge. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember the name of the book right now. The New City Catechism? No, no, no. Not that one? It's the the big story. Sh- oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's uh, There's two two volumes, one on the Old Testament, one on the New Testament, I think. Okay. Yes. Well, we started buying some of those uh, uh, children devotional books and uh, the the Westminster Catechism for, for kids uh, by uh, Ferguson. And uh, we started doing those with the kids. And this is part of... Uh, we didn't start it off immediately. Obviously, uh, I was too new in the faith. I was still learning myself. But as I continued to grow and mature in the faith, uh, I started uh, uh, noticing that I needed to start doing this with the kids. It was my primary function as a leader of the house to be the lead theologian of my house and to point my wife to Christ and point my kids to Christ. That is my function at home. And either by recommendation of books, conversations, uh, Bible studies, and so we've we've uh, become more consistent. 
in the last couple of years with with our our Bible studies, uh, devotionals with the kids, making sure they're learning the catechism and 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 understanding, uh, you know, the gospel. Even though they're still kids, you know, they're still you know the Lord can work in their hearts. Are they baptized? Uh, in the cath- uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Did you baptize your babies? <laughs> He's messing with you. <laughs> I love it. So, um, so you, uh, God draws you to saving faith. Uh, like um, uh, Steve said, everything is restored. Uh, now, what point where you're like, I think I need to be, I think that God is pointing me another direction and if i'm not mistaken just with our conversations together uh you're going right now to school uh you eventually want to become a pastor uh is that not true Uh, yes i believe that's still true uh about a year i uh, about a year after being saved i i continue to struggle with this this huge desire to for ministry and and to learn and you know, it takes a while. You know, normally within the reform, within the reform circles, uh, usually they tell you not to tell somebody to encourage somebody into ministry. You know, let them, let the Lord make uh, lead them that way, and for other people to eventually maybe help you confirm and affirm some of these desires. And little by little, you know, pe- uh, the Lord put people in my life, uh, like Steve and some uh, some other men that I've known that. They they they, uh, they never confirmed it, but they they somewhat encouraged it to continue to pursue the Lord through uh, education, through reading of the Word, through Bible studies, and uh, right now, you know, I'm still uh, I'm still in the in the police department, but eventually I would I would like to go into ministry, uh, but that's up to the Lord to to open up those that those uh, opportunities for me to do that. What kind of changes have you seen in your current position as a police officer? Have what kind of uh, impact has becoming a Christian had with you know coworkers or just doing your job? Well, <clears throat> doing my job, it's uh, very hectic. Dealing with people most of the time when we deal with people, it's uh, to do reports. People are victimized, and uh, people have different responses to when their house gets burglarized burglarized or or they get assaulted so sometimes they might be they might be respectful with police and sometimes they just might not be respectful so you know sometimes I will lose my cool or my patience with hmm. people before and, and now as a christian i uh, my the level of self control and patience with people and and kindness and gentleness you know it's it's completely different i treat people uh, I go way out of my way to make sure that they they are satisfied with the service they received, and with my coworkers, uh, a lot of patience, uh, a lot of patience with them, uh, and self control also. Because sometimes you see, even as a Christian working working in, in a secular job, not in a church, it's it's hard to deal with people, uh, no matter if they're coworkers or, or or somebody you're servicing, and and. The environment—it's not necessarily ideal for a Christian, so it's very difficult yeah. to to keep blameless. Yeah, tell the story if you would briefly with regards to. Uh, uh, there's been at least one or two calls that you've been on where you've responded to somebody who has been very, very angry and uh, like domestic violence or something like that, and uh, you responded to the call and. Uh, the the uh, the the person was very antagonistic toward one of your partners, or maybe a couple of them. But then they saw you, and their whole demeanor kind of changed. I just think that's a fascinating story. Tell tell us about that if you uh, would. Well, I remember uh, it was a it was a gloomy night. Actually, it was. It's kind of one of those scary nights. Story time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but it was. It was. Everyone, everyone, everyone yeah. just sit back. Here. Yeah. Cause, cause even Story the, time with Joe. No, no. Even, even the neighborhood itself was kind of, kind of eerie. The neighborhood itself was eerie. It's, it's cold. It's drizzling. It's like two or three in was, the morning. Was it Halloween? <laughs> no, no. It wasn't Halloween. But uh, I, it was. A friend of mine, a co-worker, he responded to the call, and obviously I, I was sent to back him up. And uh, uh, there was this rowdy, rowdy male 
with this uh, elderly uh, elderly family and and as I get off my my patrol unit from the sidewalk, I can see there's chaos going inside, hmm. you know. And my coworkers trying to calm this guy down. Uh, he wasn't combative, but he was just out of control. And uh, my my coworker couldn't couldn't get him to settle down. But as soon as I step into into the room, all the way to the uh, the rear of the house, uh, this guy just calmed down. He looked at me, and he said, "I want no trouble with you." And it kind of freaked me out for real. It freaked me out because I'm like, and he told me, I know who you are. Hmm. And I'm like, and I'm over here thinking to myself, I've never seen you in my life. <laughs> but he said, I know who you are, and I want no trouble with you. Hmm. So he turns around and he still and, and he go he, he goes again chaotic with my coworker and his family members. And here I am, I come and touch him. I'm like, hey, I told you settle down. And he said, I already told I already told you, I know who you are. I want no trouble with you. Hmm. And I'm like, I- I'm over here, but I don't know you. I just need you to settle down. Uh, eventually, after talking to him, maintaining my my, my composure and and uh, and my control, I was able. Uh, we were able to settle him down and and, and walk them out of the house. And obviously, he-, he wasn't arrested that night, but he was just walked out of the house. And that really got me thinking. Like, what does he mean? What just happened with this guy right mm-hmm. here? I have a very similar incident prior to that one where where they're just being combative or belligerent with my coworkers, and I get there and and they tell me the same thing I know who you are I want no trouble with you and I'm like well, what is this you know I'm not trying to be superstitious or or anything but like what is this I mean what does this mean and just for our audience Joe is not we're not talking Shaq here he's no. he's, he's an average sized guy so it's it, it's not his physical presence that's intimidating there was something else <laughs> going on there uh, which you told me a story and uh just for our audience what do you think uh because um me coming down here from chicago we've just seen a lot of just uh things where i can just say that some of it is just if it's fair for me to say just i i believe just demonic um just in a very just dark place here in laredo and we had a conversation in this story and i think we, we, uh, we were maybe we we're all there but it might have been a separate but in, in in two different occasions this is going on and you never came across these people but do you think that is a fair statement uh, i mean we, we won't know but what you might think that was uh you know it took me a while to discern what was going on and, and uh i do think it was possibly a, a, a demonic what was going on uh i've dealt with a lot of rowdy people uh, as a police officer with people that are combative and but they never act like that they never react like that and these two occasions even my friend on the first occasion he made fun of me he came what did you do you put the holy spirit on him i'm like well, how, how did you get him to calm down i'm like what do you mean well he was just combative and spitting and all these things you came and told him just to settle down he settled down and i was like i don't know man i, I don't know and he was he was making fun of me, but I, I mean, it really got me thinking. What happened? Yeah. And, and just to be clear, Joe's not this like charismatic guy or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Not know? at all. I, I I'm just I, I've experienced the same thing down here, where uh, I've come across as uh, homeless people or people who are in trouble. Uh, and in Chicago, I ran into them every day, and it always freaked me out when I've encountered just people here. And maybe one time in Chicago, where they just start saying things that are just extremely just offhand, and they start just saying things about Christ, and that really just I'm you know I don't know, but it's just really just weird. And I just wanted to make sure we clear that up that you're not like you know this wacky cop who, <laughs> who's saying all these yeah, things. Yeah, you're not but, listening to like but, but he's in a line of field where you see just a lot of darkness, right? Yeah. And and you see a lot of pain, you see death, you see murder, you see a lot of things as mm-hmm. a police officer. And if you can just as we start landing this plane, just kind of touch on that now that you're a Christian and seeing all that uh a pain in this um in this community does it make it a little bit easier to understand why this is going on as far as like just seeing sin and the depravity of man and 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 the things that they're just doing as what they should be doing because they're without christ i mean it's normal um Yes, exactly like you said. Uh, I don't know who said it, but I remember listening to it once, and that's exactly what they said. This once you grasp the concept of of uh, people not having Christ in their life, not having the Holy Spirit in them, they're not regenerate. 
uh, you can't expect anything else from unbelievers. They're exactly doing what they're supposed to be doing. And once you really come to understand that, there's you really can't blame people beyond what they're doing because they're exactly doing what they're doing. And, and sin has a hold of these people, and they're going to act sinful, uh, which is it's either committing a crime or or just having an episode where, where we're called in. We try to deal with everybody as as uh, as humane as possible, uh, you know, making sure uh, we treat them with, with dignity and respect. I mean, obviously, that's always been uh, one of our, our, our priorities. Uh, but before, I didn't understand that. As an unbeliever, I didn't understand that. So I would lose my I would lose my cool. But now I understand it. So I kind of feel like as their their anger increases, my patience increases with them too. Alrighty. Well, um, we always end the program with uh, with one question. So it's, what is the gospel? So we heard a, an amazing testimony. Um, that, it's an amazing testimony, man. Just your your journey coming coming to saving faith. So, um, all right, man. So what 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 is the gospel for those who are listening? The gospel is this. It's just simple. Um, no one is righteous. No, not one. Uh, none of us can keep the commandments. None of none of us can do anything good, uh, and that's the reason our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came two thousand years ago because He did keep all the commandments. He did fulfill all the prophecies. He is the Son of God, and He did die on the cross, and He and He did raise rose on the third day for all those who who come to repentance and believe in Him, and and uh, profess that He is the the Son of God. That believe that He is. Uh, that he did die indeed for our sins because we could never live that perfect life that he lived that he transfers that perfect life that righteous life to the sinner to the repentant sinner and, and the Lord indwells him and you're saved you, you're, you're regenerate you're now reconciled to our Father who is in heaven Amen Amen Amen, amen. Well thank you so much Joe for coming on um, It's uh, it was a pleasure to interview, interview you and uh and so, yeah, uh, we will be back with uh, the next episode. Is going to be great. I don't think I'm going to. Should I? Should I say who the guest? No. No. Okay. <laughs> Abe was already looking at me like, no. I act like I'm the president. So I can make that decision. You would have to ask. Don't be Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and save it. So the next episode is going to be fantastic. Uh, first time guest. Uh, his new release book. Uh, Leanne is very excited. If you've ever listened to any interviews with Leanne, she always mentions one person on the program and references him. So he's going to be on, and uh, it's going to be very, very fun. So as always, guys, we always uh, end the program with one question. Ask yourself, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And that is, I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death. My faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Later.